1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. How does a 31-year-old loving dad end up dead off a dirt road? Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. So how does it happen? Take a listen to our friend Corinne Rose at ABC 21. A driver on this stretch of dirt road in rural
3: northern Jay County early Sunday morning called 911 to report seeing what looked like a body. When investigators got there, they found 31-year-old Shea Breyer, who was alive, but just barely. He was flown to a Fort Wayne hospital, but died before doctors could get him into surgery.
0: Multiple lives possibly ruined uh, in, in a situation like this. So you just, your heart goes out to everybody involved.
3: Jay County Prosecutor Wes Scheminauer says detectives worked around the clock
1: to trace Breyer's final hours. Joining me, an all-star panel to break it down and put it back together again. First of all, Ken Belkin. New York criminal defense attorney. You can find him at BelkinLaw.com. Also with me, psychologist Karen Stark joining me out of Manhattan at KarenStark.com. Former police chief Johns Creek, 25 years on the force, now PI and polygrapher at Chris Byers Investigations and Polygraphs.com. Deputy Medical Examiner for Travis County, that's Austin, Texas, Dr. Kendall Crowns. But first, to Ray Caputo, lead news anchor for WDBO. Man, that is a tough way to die off a dirt road. A driver happens to go by and see a body and the cops, the EMTs, every he gets to the hospital in the nick of time, still alive but then dies. They couldn't save him. Tell me what you know. Where did this happen? Tell me about the dirt road, the bridge, everything. Yeah,
4: Nancy, this is in uh, northern Jay County, Indiana, and that's like right next to the Ohio border. And, I mean, it's as rural as it comes. There aren't a lot of big cities around. I mean, uh, Dayton, Ohio, uh, Hours away. Um, other other big cities are far away. So this was a very lonely place. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at it on a map. There's a lot of farmland, and this happened right where a bridge uh, uh, goes over a little creek. Um, so yeah, I mean, this guy's final hours, Nancy. I just could not imagine, you know, laying there on this uh, on the, uh, by a dirt road with nobody around with a gunshot wound.
1: You know, just from what I know right now, to you, uh, Chief Byers. I'm learning a lot just from that small amount of information I know that this guy was driven there and dumped he was shot and dumped by a bridge off a dirt road very secluded it was intentional either he was lured there and shot or he was shot and dumped this bridge it's a small bridge But then you can go under, and it looks very grown up, lots of bushes, uh, lots of tall grass. Somebody dumped him there so his body would not be found. This is at least the secondary crime scene, Chief Byers. I think he was killed somewhere else and dumped. And we don't have any uh, report that his car was stolen, so he had to be taken there somehow. Little green man from Mars didn't just drop him there. Somebody transported him there and dumped him. And that tells me this is not a carjacking. This is targeted.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what investigators are doing at this point uh, on that scene is retracing how did he get there. Um, Where where the crime scene is is just a huge indicator of what you're looking for. Just like you said, is it a secondary crime scene? Um, If there's no car there, he got there somehow. So... From everything I'm hearing, it sounds like that's one of the two things that you said. Either he was lured there or he was dumped there and, and was shot somewhere else.
1: You know, Karen Stark, when I start this story, I know you're going to think it's not connected, but you and I covered a case a while back of Shantae Mallard. She was out driving. She ran over a man, and instead of immediately getting out of her car and calling 911, she drove home with a man impaled on her hood, goes in her garage, shuts the garage door, and goes inside to try to figure out what to do. And time passes, the guy finally dies in her garage on her car. So I wonder what goes through people's minds. You dump somebody and leave them literally under a bridge to die off a dirt road, the act itself is bad enough, the hitting the homeless guy with your car or the shooting this dad, this Navy vet, a loving dad, shooting him, but then throwing out his body or leaving him somewhere to die and just driving away? That's a whole nother mindset, Karen Stark. It certainly is, Nancy, and there's nothing that's positive about that mindset, but
6: People do get in that situation, hit, run, just leaving bodies,
1: because they don't know what to do. They get paralyzed. Karen Starr, you know that they know to call 911 to try to save the person's life? Even my (laughs) twins, who just turned 13, know that. They've known that since they were three years old. 911. But when they are
6: faced, and I'm not saying this is correct, Nancy, but when people are faced with that kind of a shocking event, they sometimes, not most them but sometimes, just right off, or as that woman did in that case that we covered, they, they go home to try and think about what's my next step because they're
1: terrified. As the person bleeds out. You know, Ken Belkin, a renowned New York criminal defense attorney at BelkinLaw.com, If I had this case, I would have a field day describing not only the act, but leaving the guy still alive, just driving away and mm -mm, washing your hands of it, letting him die, going about your business, going to work, going to wherever the killer went and leaving the guy there. Not just minutes, but as hours pass. They get him all the way to the hospital and then he dies. At any point, Ken Belkin, they could have changed their mind and saved the guy's life. But they didn't.
2: Yeah, but Nancy, let's be clear. They were probably severely traumatized and people are not always their best in situations
1: like that. You can't expect them. they're traumatized because they the killer commits murder. Is that what you're saying? Did you say that? Well, look, uh, I think it's a
2: terrible situation. It's a tense situation. They're not operating at full mental capacity, and they're not thinking clearly. And I think like a lot of us, when we're not thinking clearly, we don't make rational decisions, and we don't make decisions that benefit ourselves in the long run.
1: Okay. Kim Melkin, to shoot somebody, you have to get a gun, you have to load it, you have to aim it, you got to find your victim, you got to aim it and pull the trigger. And unless the perp shot this person in the car, you got to get the victim in the car, drive him to the dump site, push You know, dead bodies are heavy. Push the body out and then drive off and wait for the guy to die. (laughs) Intent under the law can be formed in the blink of an eye, much less all the time. I just, it took me two minutes to recount it for Pete's sake. That's time to form intent. I don't know what you're talking about. Where did you go to law school, Kim? Because you've got a pretty good reputation. May I ask where you went to law school? New York law. All right. Did somebody tell you there? Because I want to look up your professor that not thinking clearly is some kind of a defense. Because it's not.
2: I'm not saying it's a total defense. I'm just saying that maybe it strikes to the element of intent.
1: I think what you're really saying, Kim Belkin, is that you would try to argue it at trial.
3: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100 percent sure yet what to write.
7: Hopefully having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor.
3: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these
8: conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
7: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
8: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we are talking about a 31-year-old father loving dad. Every picture I look at of this guy, Shea Breyer, he's holding a baby with love in his eyes. Why does this guy end up dead, shot dead off the side of a dirt road? And what's so upsetting is that he could have been saved. At any point, the killer could have turned back. Uh, Motorist comes along, sees the body, calls 911. He gets all the way to the hospital and dies. He could have been saved. Even uh, it's, it's, it's the icing on a poisonous cake. It's insult to injury. What happened to this guy? Who is this guy? Take a listen to this.
9: Shay Breyer grew up in Kailua and moved to Indiana after serving in the military. His mother tells me the family still cannot wrap their head around what happened. 31-year-old Shea Breyer moved to Kailua with his mother from Indiana when he was five years old. He graduated from the Academy of the Pacific in 2006 with honors. He served in the Navy from 2008 to 2012 as a canine handler because he loved animals. His mother tells me he moved to Indiana after serving in the military, Because he also loved the farm life.
6: My family turned him on to tractors. And he loves tractors and dirt and farming. And actually, he liked the farm life. I like the island life.
1: You're hearing our friend uh, Manolo Morales at KHON. And just hearing about this guy, a dog handler in the Navy, served honorably, um, super smart. And then gets turned on to the farm life. I can't tell you how many times when we would come home from school, uh, driving home, we'd pass farm after farm after farm, and everybody in our community would be out there on their tractors farming that land. And it gets in your blood growing up in farmland and loving farmland. And this quiet and simple life is the life The victim chose. Little did he know that violent crime would find him, no matter where he went. Take a listen now to our friends at KHON.
9: He met and got engaged to 31-year-old Esther Stephen. Briar and Stephen have a one-year-old daughter. His mother tells me he was trying to get partial custody of the child who he has not seen since Stephen broke the engagement in September,
6: The only thing he wanted was visitation to see his daughter and his name on the birth certificate. That's all that he wanted. He wanted a family. He wanted them to all be a family. And so for this to happen, it's
9: just heartbreaking. His mother says Briar was also active with the church and had been volunteering there Saturday the day before he was killed.
6: He had all day, you know, helped his church basically serving the Lord. And then that night, a little bit after 12, is when our life changed forever.
1: You know, hearing about this guy's life, it's just heartbreaking. The guy goes and serves his country. He comes home to work on a farm. He has a baby with his fiance. All he wants is some kind of life with that baby. Even if it's just weekends, anything he can get, working for free at the church, I mean, the guy sounds like a saint. So, how does he end up dead? How and why? Take a listen to Sierra Tufts. The last moment was giving him a hug and preparing for the next day
3: and telling him I loved him, thanked him for everything. 31 year old Shay Breyer served
6: four years in the Navy as a canine handler.
3: He had a love for his daughter, his dogs and serving others. We serve in a church. We think we're there to help people, right? But in this case, it became him being the one to help us.
6: His family didn't want to go on camera, but say he had a big heart, lived and breathed. The military was religious and loved his daughter so much. I want to remember
3: the man for who he was and who he is and the impact that he's made on so many lives.
1: You know, when violent crime enters your life, it's a game changer. Nobody is ever the same. You know, Karen Stark, you've dealt with so many crime victims. It changes your life for the rest of your life. How you grow up, how you see the world, how you raise your children, how you live your life day to day. Did you hear this woman? And You know... I think Nancy if anybody would know what
6: that's like it would be you because when you're exposed to that kind of violent crime you even make decisions that have to do with the career that you choose because it never really leaves you it's something that you can't get over and it influences just as you said every aspect of what you do next
1: Well you're right uh Karen you and I have talked about it many many times and a dark studio at Court TV. Uh, I had planned to teach Shakespearean literature and when my fiance was murdered before a wedding, I dropped out of school and ultimately went back to law school to put bad guys in jail. That was the big plan. Um, it changed how long it took me to ever try to remarry. It changed the way I raise the children. I almost couldn't have children because I'd waited so long after the trauma of Keith being murdered before our wedding. And it it changes everything. The other day, I've told you this story. Uh, My daughter said, Mom, can I ever go on a walk through the neighborhood alone? (laughs) (laughs) And I told her, of course, yes. And do you know how much I had to duck and dive to follow that child while she was walking and her not see me? I'm telling you, uh, it changes everything for the rest of your life. And i got to ask you, Dr. Kendall Crowns, Deputy Medical Examiner, Travis County, Texas, that's Austin, which I love. You guys have some awesome barbecue in Austin, Dr. Crowns. But that aside, with what you do as a medical examiner and you see so many violent crime victims, does that
7: affect the way you live? To some degree. I mean, when you see stuff that people do that results in their sudden untimely demise it does make you a lot more cautious I would say as far as homicides go you know it is so random how how a lot of homicides happen that you you really that hasn't really changed how my life is but accidents on the other hand standing on top of ladders uh, venturing out in uh, deep water that you can't see the bottom of uh Uh, things of that nature, it has changed how I approach things, for sure. But homicides, you you can't predict them unless you're somebody's spouse that you're agitating. But uh, other than that, you really can't predict homicides. They're very random. I
1: hear you. It changes you. uh, You know, to Chief Byers, uh, Chris Byers, former police chief, Johns Creek, 25 years. Has it changed the way you live, the way you raise your children, how you go
5: about your life every day? absolutely Uh, my poor 20 year old son uh, all through his you know middle school high school time would want to do something and I would say no and he'd give me the but all my other friends parents are letting them do it and I'm like they don't know what I know they don't know where the dangers lurk. so absolutely everything you do from you know coming home and, and being aware of your surroundings and closing your garage and make sure it closes before somebody sneaks into it to you know, being at restaurants and making sure your back's against the wall because you want to see the door. You want to know where the exits are. Constantly pulling up to a red light, looking around and thinking, hey, if the guy in front of me jumps out with a gun, what am I going to do? Just plan those what ifs. And I have beat it into my children's head, my wife's head. Uh, so it absolutely changes everything about your life.
1: You know, the other day we pulled up to a red light and my husband was driving. I said, don't get so close to the car in front of you. And he said, why? I'm not too close. And I said, because if the guy gets out with a gun, where are you gonna go? You can't back up, you can't move forward. Think about it. And he looked at me like I was crazy to even think that might happen. I'm glad so I'm not the only crazy one, Chief Byers.
8: Crime stories with Nancy
1: Grace. So, how does this dad, who's never been in trouble in his life, end up dead at the end of a dirt road? How does that happen? Take a listen to Jay County Sheriff Dwayne Ford and Kelp Sailor WFFT Fox.
7: Our sheriff's department was contacted through 9 reference a person that was uh, injured. Um, our guys responded along with the MS. Uh, the person was taken to the hospital and then transported on up to Lutheran.
10: Jay County Sheriff Dwayne Ford says it was at Lutheran Hospital where Blair was pronounced dead. The news of the murder took people, even the sheriff, by surprise.
7: We did have a homicide about six months ago, but uh, that's very rare in Jay County that anything like this ever happens.
1: Did you hear what the sheriff said? He said, we did have a homicide a few years ago. Man, you were right, Ray Caputo, when you told me it was a low crime area. God bless him. Um, I understand, Ray Caputo, that the victim was shot in the back. Is that right?
4: He was shot in the back with a with a twenty two rifle, Nancy.
1: Let's talk about that. Shot in the back. So what that means to me right off the bat, Ken Belkin, nobody's going to be able to claim self-defense. If you shoot somebody in the back, they're not coming for you. Absolutely. A shot in the back is clearly not self-defense. It's clearly evidence of
2: something way more malicious.
1: And you said, Ray Caputo, WDBO, a 22 caliber rifle. To you, Dr. Kendall Crowns, what's that?
7: 22 caliber rifle is a small caliber rifle. It's it uh, doesn't have a lot of force to it. In fact, the bullets sometimes when they enter your body will bounce off your bones and ricochet around within your uh, internal organs.
1: You know, Chief Byers, I often hear of a twenty two, had a lot of cases with a twenty two. It's a small weapon. They were usually a handgun. How common is a twenty two caliber
5: rifle? Uh, it's the first gun I ever owned. It's normally what you take your, you buy your kids. Uh, to learn to shoot, it's what my dad bought me to learn to shoot, um, so I was going to say you know, it sounds like a
1: daisy shotgun you give your child yeah. to go learn how to shoot at a tree somewhere at my husband. He knows how I feel about guns. Yeah, his parents gave him I think it was called a daisy or so a little shotgun when he was little, and he said, maybe it was even a BB gun or a pellet gun, but it was shoot off to one side. <laughs> It wouldn't even shoot straight. Needless to say, he's not a marksman. So I've never even seen a 22 caliber rifle. So it's like a a training rifle? Yeah,
5: it's a very much, an, like I said, it's what my dad bought me. It's what I bought my son uh, to teach him to shoot on. It's very much an entry-level thing. It's not something that a professional criminal would normally use. Um, it's just usually if you've got kids, you've got one around the house because it's what you learn to shoot on.
1: I do not have one around the house. You make it sound like a box of Kleenex. Yeah, you probably have one around the house. No, I don't. But I can tell you a funny story, Chief Byers. You know how I feel about guns. I don't, ha- I don't want one. I don't want the children to be around one. So I take them to scout camp where, of course, because if I hear sleep away, I think murder and molestation. So I then sign me and my husband up to be volunteers for a week at scout camp. So I can make sure the children are not murdered or molested. They can pick whatever they want. I have guarded them against guns, against violence in every way I can. Guess who turns into a sharpshooter? My son, John David Lynch. He goes. He picks getting um, a rifle. I guess merit badge. I freak out. I in one day I had thirty six thousand steps on my Fitbit because I was going back and forth to that shooting range to watch him to make sure he didn't get hurt yes I was the only mother there I don't care what you think I was so tired by the time it was done I fell asleep with my head down on a table watching John David and he didn't just get the merit badge I'd like to say first he got his quarter which is you shoot I think five at 50 feet five times into a quarter, the coin, then to further agitate me, he gets his dime. You shoot 10 times into a dime at however many feet. So my son, against guess everything I've tried to do has turned into a little sharpshooter. We still do not have guns, but you know, it happens. I'm thinking about what I'm learning. Think about it, Ken Belkin. He's got this low-powered weapon, a twenty two. Who would have a twenty two? You have a guy, unarmed, shot in the back and dumped. What is that telling you about the crime scene and the crime itself?
2: It's telling me that this might not have been the most planned out situation, that this could have been spur of the moment. You know, heat of the moment, a crime in the middle of some sort of passions that were aroused.
1: Heat of the moment, but yet shot in the back. Well, you, I hope you're all sitting down. Take a listen to John Bedell, W-H-I-O-T-V, Dayton.
10: We're here in Portland, Indiana. It's about 11 miles from Fort Recovery. Court documents filed here at the Jay County Courthouse and obtained by News Center 7 show there was an active custody battle between one of the suspects and the victim when he
1: was killed. We're a small towns so everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everything.
10: And in small town Portland, Indiana, Morgan Frazier says it's hard to believe Esther Stephen and Shelby Heistend are accused of murder.
1: Oh, I was like, oh no, I was like, no way. It could have been them. There's no way they could have done it. Like, I've known them for too long. They're too gentle of people. They're too nice.
10: But Jay County prosecutors say the two Fort Recovery High School softball coaches worked together to pull off a violent crime. In fact, investigators say the pair admitted to it.
1: Let me understand this to you, Ray Caputo. It's not just a woman, which statistically is unheard of. I mean, it does happen, but very rarely for a woman to commit a violent crime by shooting a guy in the back and dumping the body yeah we've all seen the movie i think it was called monster about the female serial killer few and far between so it's not just one woman but two women who are known for being meek and mild as a matter of fact they're the local softball coaches Seriously.
4: Yeah, Nancy. I mean, how uncommon is that? But but also there is a child that is involved that is shared between uh, the victim and Esther, one of those uh, softball coaches. And when you, you add children into the mix, you know, you got that mama bear thing going on. So uh, although women don't commonly do this sort of thing, there is a child involved, which does that, you know, makes a little more sense. But
1: protect the child against what? This dad was a loving dad. He just wanted to see his daughter have his name as father listed on the birth certificate. There is no suggestion. He ever hurt the child. He just wanted him and his mom to get to be around the baby. So what was it? She just did not want him to get to see his baby?
4: That's what it sounds like, because you're right. He was simply trying to become part of this, this little girl's life. I mean, he barely saw the baby. He, he last seen the baby in November. He, he was just simply a dad who was doing what a lot of dads don't want to do, be involved in their child's life, beyond the birth certificate. And the, the bio mom wanted to have nothing to do with that. You
1: know, that's amazing to me, Karen Stark. We've covered so many cases where the dad wants nothing to do with the baby. They don't even want to admit it is their baby. You've got to track them down lasso them, pull them in with a rope like you'd lasso a steer, make them take a DNA test to prove they're the dad. Then their dad beat dads. You're lucky if they'll throw a box of Pampers at the front door as they drive by. Here's a dad that wants, he's not trying to get the child away from the mom. He just wants partial custody to have visitation with the little girl. You know,
6: Nancy, we don't really understand what was going on with this couple especially the mother, I mean, why would she be so overprotective and not want to allow him near her child? What
1: was going on that happened? Because he sounds exactly like that kind of dad. Well, I don't know that overprotective is the right word, Karen Stark, because there's no even a suggestion he ever hurt the baby in any way. It sounds more like spite, anger, just uh, Something that she did not want him to even get to visit. She did not want his name on the birth certificate.
6: Yeah, like she wanted a sperm bank and not a real person. Now,
1: that, that's a thought. Guys, take a listen to this. Stephen apparently said
3: she was angry that Breyer had petitioned the court for custody rights and to change their baby's last name. Police say both women admitted they drove Breyer to the remote site and that while Stephen distracted him on the bridge, Highstand shot him in the back with a 22 caliber rifle. An autopsy found the bullet hit his heart. The prosecutor says the case is a tragedy all around.
0: Certainly uh, in a small community, it, you do feel the impact of a case like this uh, because it, it's a small community. Folks know one another. Uh, families are interconnected uh, like in most small communities, so it's it's very difficult. <music>
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace
3: Stephen apparently said she was angry that Breyer had petitioned the court for custody rights and to change their baby's last name. Police say both women admitted they drove Breyer to the remote site and that while Stephen distracted him on the bridge, Highstand shot him in the back with a 22 caliber rifle. An autopsy found the bullet hit his heart. The prosecutor says the case is a tragedy all around.
0: Certainly uh, in a small community, you do feel the impact of a case like this uh, because it's a small community. Folks know one another, Uh, families are interconnected uh, like in most small communities, so it's, it's very difficult.
1: So there's the motive. She was, quote, angry he wanted any custody rights at all, even partial custody, even visitation, and she really went over the edge because he wanted to change the baby's last name. I guess to his uh, Shay Breyer. Question: Doctor Kendall Crowns, uh, Deputy Medical Examiner, Austin. This twenty-two caliber bullet, which is very small, hit his heart. How did he keep living?
7: So uh, once the bullet hits the heart, you don't necessarily instantaneously die, but it does take a, a- Seconds for you to, with the heart, uh, to bleed out, so you can still have purposeful movement for probably about fifteen to thirty seconds.
1: This guy was still alive, uh, well after the shooting that leaves him there on a dirt road at a bridge. I'm not. I'm a little confused. You've got the mother of the baby, the fiance, Esther Stephen, and then you've got another teen girl involved. One of them lured him and the other shot him. Who is the teen, Ray Caputo?
4: The teen is Shelby Highstand, Nancy. She's a, a assistant softball coach or a former one, too, at Fort Recovery High School where Esther worked. And I did see a report that uh, it said that they were girlfriends and i don't know if that was his friendship or they were romantically involved but certainly someone who had worked alongside uh, esther at Fort recovery high school
1: so uh, esther stephen the 29 year old bio mom is actually a high school softball coach i guess for the girls softball team and then she recruits Shelby Highstand to help her commit murder. You just heard Corinne Rose at ABC 21 WPTA, but now take a listen to John Bedell, WHIO TV.
10: Jay County deputies found Shay Breyer dead along a road Sunday. He had a child with Stephen. When investigators interviewed her Tuesday, Court documents say Stephen admitted she was angry Breyer had filed a custody lawsuit involving their child in November. They were due in court for a hearing in the case in February. Investigators wrote in court documents Stephen and Heiston got a 22 caliber rifle from Heiston's house Saturday night. Then they called Breyer right after midnight to see if he wanted to, quote, hang out. The two coaches picked up Breyer at his house and drove to a bridge along a county road where all three got out of the car. Court documents say Stephen admitted she distracted Breyer so Heiston could get the rifle out of the car. Investigators say as Stephen and Breyer walked away from the car, Heiston shot Breyer once in the back. The bullet tore through his heart and killed him.
1: Well, I don't care who pulled the trigger, they're all responsible for murder, not just murder, but murder one. You've heard about two women, high school softball coaches for the girls team, embroiled in this murder. That's not the end of the story. Take a listen to WHIO-TV's Molly Kawik.
3: Police arrested a third person from Fort Recovery in connection with the murder of an Indiana man. According to media outlets in Indiana, investigators believe 18-year-old Hannah Kanapke loaned her car to former Fort Recovery softball coaches Esther Stephen and Shelby Highstand because her car would not be recognized if anyone spotted them. Investigators say Stephen and Highstand admitted to working together to kill Shea Breyer. Court records show Stephen said she was angry with Breyer because he recently filed a custody lawsuit involving their child. Detectives found Kanapke in Iowa.
1: You know, when you said sperm donor, that's all they wanted him for. You may have been right, Karen Stark, because this woman wanted nothing to do with the dad of her child, her former fiance. As soon as she had the baby, he was history and went so far as to not only kill him, but drag two teen girls in on it. Uh, Ray Caputo, WDBO, who's the third teen girl?
4: She was just simply a former softball player that that knew Shelby and Esther. And this girl was a volleyball um, recruited at a local college, so she had moved on. But I think that she just got caught up with a couple people who got her involved in something that she shouldn't have. She uh, consented to getting her having her car be used in this because they thought that no one would recognize it. But now she's just in a whole heap of trouble along with the other two. Yeah,
1: if you loan your car... Uh, to further a murder because you know your car won't be recognized, you're up for felony murder, even though this teen girl was in another state. Take a listen to Stacy Horst, KCCI 8, R Cut 13. Now, former Iowa college athlete is charged with being involved in a murder in Indiana. 18-year-old Hannah Kanapke
3: was a volleyball player at Marshalltown Community College. The school tells KCCI her scholarship has been revoked and she is no longer enrolled. Kanapke is originally from Ohio. She is charged in connection with the death of Shay Breyer in Jay County, Indiana, earlier this month. The criminal complaint says she helped a friend in the murder of Breyer
1: over a child custody dispute. Scholarship, smallership. Who cares about that when you're looking down the wrong end of a barrel of felony murder leveled right at your head? Because that's what she's looking at. Ken Belkin, this last, is third woman, Hannah Knapke, is in another state, loans her car for them to commit a shooting, a murder, so they would not be recognized. She's in it. She's in it up to her eyeballs for felony murder. She certainly is. I mean, if she loaned them this car with the,
2: with this express purpose that they would evade detection and avoid capture by using this car, then she can be liable for any of the crimes committed while th- they had that car. It, it's classic felony murder rule. If your are co-felons, if, if, if during the commission of a felony, loss of life occurs, even
1: if you did not expressly take that life, you can be liable for felony murder. Take a listen to Dirk Rally, W-A-N-E 15.
0: The Fort Recovery Ohio school district plans to fire two softball coaches facing murder charges. Indiana prosecutors filed formal charges earlier this month against 29-year-old Esther Stephen and 18-year-old Shelby Heistand Hestand, excuse me, both from Portland. They're accused of killing 31-year-old Shea Breyer. Court documents indicate Stephen was angry at Breyer for opening a custody case over a child they share. She and Heistand then allegedly conspired to kill Breyer along a rural road. Fort Recovery School District announced they plan to fire both tomorrow. Both suspects are in jail without bond, and they're scheduled to be back in court in March.
1: I guess they do plan to fire them. What's the holdup? Guys, now the little girl, the baby they were fighting over, has neither a mother or a father. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend.